Welcome to ETF Working Lunch, an ETF.com podcast in partnership with Women in ETFs. We get together every other week with some of the smartest women in this business, and we talk shop. I'm Cynthia Murphy, here with my colleague, Laura Krieger. Hello. Today, we are diving into fixed income investing. Joining us is Kelly Yade, Director of Research at Index IQ. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Cynthia. Hi, Laura. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Kelly. So let's get into fixed income, which has a lot of ground that we can cover today. Um, you lead research and product development at Index IQ today, but you also have a, a long, pretty impressive track record in quantitative fixed income strategies as well as alternatives. So from your expertise, from where you sit today, what are some of the key, if not unique, drivers in the fixed income market this year? And how are they impacting your outlook for what comes next? Yeah, this year has been a special year for everyone. I guess the most used word is actually unprecedented. <laughs> when we talk about fixed income market, we have to talk about that as its actions is really driving most of the market actions this year. Mm-hmm. So we start this year pretty cool, right? Relatively calm, risk on, you know, high yield credit spread is around 350 bips, uh, historical low level, 10 year interest rate is a little bit low, but at least close to the S&P dividend level, around 2%. Uh, everyone think the world is going to continue the trajectory of, you know, high growth. Uh, but then COVID hit, and as the whole world is turning upside down. So as you know, in the first two weeks of March, the high yield and IG ETFs both sold off close to 20%. And even longer term treasuries, which are usually considered as safe haven in the first two weeks, it has sold off too. Um, so people are worried the world is going to end, right? And then mm-hmm. nobody knows what's going on. And there's a lot of volatility. This is where the Fed stepped in when they announced the bond purchase program on, on March 23rd, where they plan to buy investment-grade corporate bonds from both the primary and secondary market. But furthermore, and this is unprecedentedly first time, they're going to buy IG investment-grade and high-yield ETFs too. So just when they made the announcement, uh, the whole market flipped. As you see, when most of the ETFs sold off, they're also exhibiting a very big discount, even for some of the very big ETFs, such as LQD, with a discount of 5%. But immediately after the Fed announcement, flows coming in and the ETF flipped to trading at a premium. So really, Fed, by sheerly, by just announcing they're going to buy, had a huge impact on the market. Yeah, but this kind of this kind of I'm sorry, Laura. This this kind of accommodation um, also means uh, should keep rates lower and lower for much longer. It seems, and that should be in a way supportive to bond prices, right? At a very basic level. So has the Fed action been, you know, unprecedented? Yes, but good or bad for bond investors since then. Yeah, it's it definitely has its benefit and challenges, right? So as you see, the Fed provide liquidity to the market and stability to the fixed income side. Uh, you see, we are almost experiencing the same V-shaped recovery as the equities market, but that creates challenges for investing in fixed income over the long term. 
the Fed just announced their new inflation policy of targeting potentially higher inflation more than 22% because the major concern is really unemployment rate, right? Mm-hmm. That decision also makes we the, the interest rate will stay lower for longer. For fixed income investor, where most of your investment return is driven by interest rate, that's not a good sign. On the credit side, uh, we do see the spread stabilize from a very high level in March to now uh, to very tight and now widens a little bit to actually historical average. So there is still some attractiveness in the credit space, but investors have to be super careful because of the longer term impact of the Fed supporting the whole market. Not every company will survive, and we do believe quality should be an important concern in addition to your income concerns. Hmm. Okay, so when you're you're saying that um, you know investors should look for quality, um, how um, you know what sort of opportunities do you see in that um, in that regard in the fixed income market? Uh, you know, for the rest of the of the year. Yeah, income has been a forever theme uh, in our discussions with investors. Right, right. So investors tend to look at income as a standalone number, but what supports in, supports income should be a major concern now. So if you look at the fixed income market. Treasury is pretty much uh, it's suffering from low interest rate. On the corporate credit market, uh, especially the high yield market, uh, we have seen the V-shaped recovery, but the spread level doesn't necessarily reflect economic uh, fun- economic reality. And there is a lot of dispersion in the credit market. So if you look at higher quality, for example, the more double B type of bonds versus triple C or below type of bonds, their recovery trajectory is very different. Uh, so that's one observation. Second is usually people rely on credit quality by looking at just ratings. Mm-hmm. We know rating ratings, uh, rating agencies don't necessarily review the credit quality on a day by day basis, and the market is a much better um, predictor in terms of credit quality. So we tend to combine rating and also the market information to determine bond quality. For example, if you look at the two major drivers for bond quality, that's spread and duration, both will play a role in, in terms of the bond credit sensitivity or credit spread volatility. And from there, you can actually construct a, a more accurate or more uh, efficient metric when you're evaluating a bond's credit quality. Hmm. So you have to kind of take a holistic look, not just rely on the ratings aspect of it, but also some other indicators as well, the credit duration. Exactly. And in this type of volatile environment, I have to say active investment is almost needed when it comes to fixed income investing. Mm -hmm. So active investing doesn't necessarily mean you have an active manager behind that, but you need a robust investment process that drives your decision making. So it could be either backed by an active manager who really have a long-term track record, who have shown their ability to manage the funds through good and bad times, but also uh, could be ETFs, which are backed by uh, solid investment rules that can help investors choose good quality bonds from the whole universe. But if you are a, an ETF investor, um, you know, you tend to go to your classics, LQD, HYG, uh, you can go with a, a bunch of different funds, but you're not really necessarily looking under that hood to figure out what kind of rating, which company is in there or not. So how do you implement this need for a very hands-on, you know, bond by bond type of approach to an ETF portfolio? 
Yeah, that's a very good question. So traditionally, usually market cap ba- market cap based ETFs suffer from um, not being able to look through the um, the debt amount outstanding to the real quality of the bond. Those ETFs does serve a role in providing liquidity to the market, and they have stand up to the test for the market volatility recently. But when it comes to investing in fixed income ETFs, especially in this volatile environment, you really have to select ETFs that take credit quality into their bond selection process. So, for example, um, is, uh, we have an ETF that features uh, give investor a way to access the low volatility part of the high yield market. And what it uses is use the spread and duration of a bond to select bonds that are ranked low in terms of credit risk. And this bond actually navigated the, the volatile march pretty well and year to date have outperformed uh, most of the traditional beta high yield bond ETFs. Looking to the future, when fixed income investors, what they are looking for is income and principal protection, uh, while con- contrast to equity investors where growth is more important. So when you are selecting fixed income instrument, the quality income or income generating from generated from quality bonds should be an important concern. Uh, on the other side, especially when it comes to relatively even less liquid part of the fixed income market, for example, municipals, where there are a lot of bonds and few of them are trading, this is where active management expertise is becoming more important. And there, selecting a good muni manager would be key in terms of accessing the good part of the fixed income market. So what sort of things do you, you know, if I'm an investor, an advisor, um, you know, I, 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 and I'm, I'm thinking about taking a more active approach uh, in the fixed income market, looking for the right active manager. What sort of questions or, or um, qualities should I be looking for in, in, in that active management? Because <laughs> there are plenty of active managers in the fixed income world. I agree. And, I um, agree. I agree. And active management is always a challenging space as we see a lot of research on, you know, a normal medium manager may not even be the benchmark. So when it comes to manager selection or active uh, fixed income in general, I would look for whether a whether the the manager has the track record of managing fixed income portfolio uh, over long years through uh, the cycle. Right. If they have shown the track record for uh, managing fixed income portfolios during uh, rally times and and sell-off times that really demonstrate the manager's ability to navigate the market. Second, I would look at past performance doesn't indicate future, but the track record over longer terms does show the manager's ability. And thirdly, I would look through the HUD to understand their investment methodology and investment process. Uh, we, we, we talk a lot about active management, but what is active management? It's essentially a solid investment process and investment rules that govern the process, but also the ability to remove some of the um, you know, human behavior biases. A good manager can stick to their process even when the market is, uh, is experiencing uh, volatility. So I would add some of the smart beta ETFs into the active management camp because the benefit is if a fixed income ETF has solid investment process and rules backing it, uh, but in the passive implementation, it could also benefit from removing some of the the behavior biases. Hmm. Mm -hmm. 
But also one thing I would like to emphasize is selecting active manager is important, but also sticking to your strategic allocation is also very important. Uh, we have actually done a very interesting piece of research trying to assess what investors return in high yield really is by looking at the cash flow driven return. Uh, if, i.e. consider the timing of investors entering and exiting high yield market. Because a lot of investors are trying to type time the market, right? So if I can sell high yield when, when the spread is wide and buy it back when the spread is tight, hmm. I'm, I, I could benefit from you know, being tactical, right? But the reality is if you follow the cash flow or the investor's uh, average behavior, they earn a much lesser return than the high yield return itself. If you just hold it to uh, hold it as a piece of strategic uh, allocation, so our advice to our clients are usually are always stick to your strategic allocation. Don't try to time the market, but in your strategic allocation, try to select a good manager or a good ETF with a solid investment process behind them. This is how you are really trying to get the benefit of fixed income and avoid the volatility or the market um, swings. Well, what's interesting, I think, is, you know, if you think about fixed income markets also being hugely driven by Fed, the Fed action, as you know, you mentioned earlier on, which is the same phenomenon happening with the equity markets, this whole conversation about the markets don't reflect the economy, it's all about the Fed. Um, so the challenge here is twofold, right, for a bond investor, you are not getting income um, necessarily very much anymore, mm -hmm. but you're also struggling with diversification, mm -hmm. right? So is is this the case for where you have to start looking outside of your traditional, you know, bond allocation and find alternative sources of income to fulfill your fixed income role of income plus diversification? That's a great question. Uh, we have always been advocating for diversification especially in this time period where, you know, fixed income rate is going to stay low for, for many years, equity market evaluation is very high. Where do investors source additional uh, diversification or additional source of return? Uh, you know, Index IQ has always been the leader in alternative ETFs. And this is where we do see alternative ETFs shine as a strategic part of investors portfolio. So for example, even from a fixed income perspective, when investors invest in fixed income for diversification from their equity risk and also for risk management purposes, there are alternative uh, ETFs or investment strategies that could also fulfill that role, but not subject to interest rate volatility. Uh, for example, merger acquisition strategy could generate similar type of risk return profile compared to a fixed income instrument, but is actually negatively correlated with the fixed income market. And same thing applies to equities market too, where um, if you experience uh, volatility in the equity market, sourcing your return from alternatives could decouple your investment strategy from market swings. Yeah, I've certainly heard a lot about alternatives, um, alternatives as an alternative, <laughs> uh, but alternatives uh, being used for, for income and in, in some ways that uh, fixed income has certainly been used, I guess. My question to you, uh, Kelly, is, you know, you, you have kind of the big picture view here. Is there something about the fixed income market that uh, maybe investors don't really understand or misunderstand or overlook or you, you feel like you'd like to, you know, address, you wish you could just reach into every investor's home and, and tell them this one little thing personally um, about the fixed income market right now? 
Yeah, fixed income market is very complicated. Although it sounds simple, right? It's just a yield, it's just interest rate. But fixed income market is much less generic compared to equities. So first of all, equities, one ticker, just usually one company usually just have one stock, right? But fixed income, even one company could have all kinds of different bonds with different coupons, maturities, and capital structure. Um, second, fixed income is much broader than treasuries and corporate bonds. It also have structured credit products such as mortgage-backed securities uh, and, and asset-backed securities. And thirdly, when people think about fixed income, uh, it's multidimensional, right? It's not just duration. It's not even just credit risk. And there are se several second-order risks such as convexity. So I would say when you are navigating fixed income market, um, keep in mind that you do have different sources of income, uh, not just from interest rate. The second, because the market is very diverse and complicated, selecting a good manager or selecting a good investment principle is key in terms of generating so-called quality income. And thirdly, when you are evaluating fixed income market returns, you really have to look beyond just income component and look at total return, right? Because income uh, may add a risk if you are losing principal. This means you have to really be very selective in taking the risk. So if you are a sophisticated investor, fixed income market is good for you because you have many tools to help you generate income. But if you're an average income, what we would suggest again is try to stay strategic in terms of fixed income allocation, try not to time the market, but within your fixed income allocation, select the managers or, or even passive ETF with a good investment process behind it. Mm -hmm. So tell us, Kelly, why is it uh, that you got first involved with fixed income? I mean, what about all this complexity that is pretty hair-raising for most of us? Uh, <laughs> what about all of this has appealed to you? Yes, yeah, I'm a math major. I always love numbers and how math can solve complicated real-world problems. So when I graduate from MIT, uh, I had the luck to choose a career between um, fixed income investing, equity investing, and high-frequency trading. So I chose fixed income precisely because of the widths and depths of the market. But the, that choice also have a consequence. So I entered the market actually in the late credit cycle in early 2008. Wow. Uh, so I, I did get a chance to really see how innovation can be used and plus finance or mask can be used to create really creative infrastructures to allow people to take leverage and seemingly create a structure that seems to benefit everyone, right? So as borrowers, you can get lower rate, you can get some flexibility in your payment. As investors, you can access juicy yield with a piece of credit quality guarantee from, from rating agencies. And as banks, you can make money by collecting the dots, right? But that all breaks down and we know what happened in 2008. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what I learned, the critical lesson is really innovation cannot decouple from the context of economic reality. And I think a lot of innovation is good, right? But we cannot do, uh, we have to do responsible innovation, which means um, you have to use creative tools to create a solution that really solve a, a problem or address investors' needs and with responsibility in mind. And that's what I do in my career as in ETFs now. So I view ETFs as really continuing my sort of journey of innovation, solving complex problems in fixed income, now to a broader asset class. Because ETF is a structure, right? It's mm -hmm. being very innovative and try to bridge the gap between, you know, not only primary market and secondary market, but also bridge the gap 
uh, by offering um, access, more democratic access to investment strategies that are previously in a high fee and non-transparent structure. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. So I think we're gonna have to leave it there. Thank you so much, Kelly, for uh, the rousing conversation. It was great having you on to talk about fixed income. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you, Lara. As a, if I have one takeaway for the investors, I would say stay strategic in your fixed income allocation and really choose good products to navigate the market. You really have to balance quality with income. And a lot. we have some volatility management solutions that could be really good for the investors. Perfect. It's great advice. Stay strategic. So for more information on fixed income or any ETF topic or to catch up on past episodes, please visit us at ETF.com. And for more information on how to get involved in women in ETFs, please visit womeninetfs.com. You can write to us with your questions, comments, and thoughts at ETF Working Lunch. That's all one word at ETF.com. On behalf of myself, Cynthia Murphy, and the rest of the ETF.com team, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next episode.